In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Nowadays, there are many people who are speaking about Christianity, by, but they are teaching different doctrines or false doctrines that against the teaching of the Holy Scripture. And they claim that this teaching is the teaching of Christianity. And unfortunately, many people are deceived by this false teaching. So tonight I like to speak with you about Christianity as it is as it is revealed in the Holy Scripture, as our Lord Jesus Christ and his disciples, the evangelists, the apostles, preached Christianity to us. Not everybody claims that this is the teaching of Christianity makes a true claim. If we want to know the truth, let us go to the scripture. Because the word of God is inspired by the Holy Spirit. And the word of God will teach us what is the truth. So, for example, the first misleading teaching is about love. They accept sins and they claim that these sins are not wrong and these sins are normal under the notion of love. Let me explain with you what is the Christian love. The Christian love has four characteristics. Number one, it is unconditional love. There is no conditions. Number two, it is a sacrificial love. Number three, it is limitless. Meaning, I cannot limit this love to a certain group. Number four, it is corrective love. Number five, it is willful love. Unconditional means there is no condition on the other person. I love the other person as he is. There is no conditions. Sacrificial means I am willing to die for the other person. The love of God toward us was manifested that he loved us while we are sinners, unconditional. And was manifested that he died on the cross for us, sacrificial. Also limitless. Limitless means the Lord did not say, I will love the sinners and the tax collectors and the adulterers and the thieves, but I will hate the Pharisees and the scribes. He loved everybody. That's why Nicodemus, one of the Pharisees, when he came to him, he accepted him and taught him. But this love, number four, five, number four, is a corrective love. Meaning what? If you love somebody, if you really, really love him, and you see this person 
is walking in the wrong way. If you really care about him and you love him, you must correct him. If you don't correct him, then you don't love this person. That's why the Lord corrected the scribes and the Pharisees. A whole chapter pointed out their hypocrisy. And he gave them examples of their hypocrisy in order actually to bring them back to repentance. Correction can be by teaching. Correction also can be by not supporting a person walking in the, right, in the wrong direction. In the parable of the prodigal son, this son went to a far country where he wasted his money in prodigal living. And actually, he began to be in want. And he desired to fill his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. I want to stop at the word, no one gave him anything. No one including his father. His father did not support him. Maybe if we are in the place of his father, we would have said, let us send him some money. Let us send him some food. When I send him some money and some food, he would know that I love him. And then he will return back to me. But if the father sent the money and food to his son, do you think he would return? No, he would not. That's why no one gave him anything. And we know it's a parable. This story is composed by the Lord Jesus Christ. And he intended every single word. So when he said no one gave him anything, means they did not support him because he was walking in the wrong direction. That what we call tough love. Because of this tough love, this son returned to the father, trusting that his father loved him. And when he returned, what the father did? Actually, he killed the fatted calf for him. Yes, he did not send him one loaf of bread. But when he returned, he killed the fatted calf to him. In the church of Thessalonica, some people started not to work and lived as busy bodies on uh, other, as St. Paul said in second. Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 11, we hear that there are some who walk among you in a, in a disorderly manner, not working at all, but are busy bodies. What St. Paul said to the people? In verse 14, he told them, if anyone does not obey our word in this epistle, note that person, single him and do not keep company with him that he may be ashamed. You do not count him as an enemy, but admonish him as a brother. And he told him, if anyone will not work, neither shall he eat. If you don't want to work, 
don't eat. He did not say, no, no. Let, the, the love here means to support them and to give them food and to mingle with them and to have company with them. No. St. Paul said, no. Not that person and do not keep company with him that he may be ashamed. Why he want him to be ashamed? Why St. Paul want this person to be ashamed? In order to repent. That's why he told them, don't count him as an enemy, but admonish him as brother. This is very important, because right now, many people under the notion of unconditional love, they say, we love the homosexuals. And because we love them, we support them. We support them in their wrong direction. We support them in their wrong way. We support them in their sinful life. Because as I will explain from the scripture, that homosexuality is sin. This is not love, by the way. To support somebody in a wrong way, you don't love him. If you love him, you need to admonish him as a brother. As St. Paul said, that is the true love. Let me give you an example. We are here in Nashville. Let me assume that we are driving toward Atlanta. So Atlanta is east of Nashville. So a person whom you love start to drive on the west, west direction, not east, in the wrong direction. So if you say, I love this person, I will support him. I will tell him, keep driving in the west way, to the west. Is this love? Is this love? No, it is not. If you really love this person, you need to tell him, no, you're wrong. You need to make a U-turn and drive in the, toward the east. Don't drive toward the west. You will end up in uh, a different uh, destiny. In Romans chapter 1, from verse 18, let us read together. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. So God is angry. God is disappointed against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men because they suppress the truth and walk in unrighteousness. What does this mean, St. Paul? So, starting from verse 24, he's explaining, therefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness, uncleanness, and lusts of their hearts, to dishonor their bodies among themselves, who exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worship and serve the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up. The same group. He's not speaking of a different group. The group who actually exchanges the truth of God for a lie. He gave them up to vile passions. For even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust for one another. Men with men, committing what is shameful. Let me read it again. Men with men, committing what is shameful. 
and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error which, which was due. Clear. Clear. The teaching of the scripture is clear. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, meaning those who practice homosexuality and those who support the homosexuality as a normal lifestyle, the Bible says they did not like to retain God in their knowledge. They did not like to retain God in their knowledge. God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting. Being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. They are whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, haters of God, again, haters of God. Violent, proud, boasters, inventor of evil things, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unloving, unloving. This is not love. Unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful. Who, knowing the righteous judgment of God, after they know this is sinful, and after they know that God is angry with them, who knowing the righteous judgment of God that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. So, here God is angry not only with those who are doing it, but also with those who approve of those who practice them. That's the scripture. It's not my words. Romans chapter 1. Go and read it. So, if we really love them, we need to admonish them as brethren and to tell them, you're wrong. I cannot approve what you are doing. I cannot support your way. I cannot normalize this life as a normal life. Who said this? St. Paul. In verse 27, Romans 1, 27, he said, likewise, also the men leaving the natural, natural means the normal use of the woman, burn it in their lust for one another, men with men committing what is shameful. So if anybody says, no, that's a normal lifestyle, no, it is not. Romans 1.27 says it is not normal lifestyle. That is the scripture. So, love is unconditional, limitless. I cannot say I love the homosexual, but I hate the conservatives. Limitless. Unconditional. Limitless, sacrificial, corrective, and finally, willful. Willful means it is a decision I make not feeling that I feel. I will go against my feeling, but I make a decision and a choice to love everybody. And to do the works of love toward everybody. That's why if we understand this, there is a big difference between accepting the sinner and accepting the sin.
All of us who are sinners. All of us. And I'm the first among the sinners. But the Bible teaches us to accept one another as Christ accepts us. We read it in Romans 15, verse 7. Therefore receive one another just as Christ also received us to the glory of God. So under to the glory of God, we have actually to put five lines. So receiving one another should glorify God. That's why the Lord accepted everybody and his arm is open to everybody. Those who repent, God accepts them. But those who refuse to repent, the Lord is still knocking on the door of their hearts, saying, I'm standing at the door and knocking. If you open to me, I will enter and dine with you. So, there is a big difference between accepting the sinner and accepting the sin. Loving the sinner and loving the sin. Yes, we need to accept the sinner. All of us who are sinners. And we need to love the sinner. Let me give you an example about the sin of lying or the sin of domestic violence. Let me assume a person who is lying came to the church and said, I am lying and I lie a lot, but I know it is sin and I ask God's forgiveness. And I want actually to repent from this sin. The church definitely will accept him and will pray for him that may God grant him grace to repent and live life of truthfulness. But if a person comes and said, lying is not a sin, Lying is a normal lifestyle. Lying is good. We need actually to lie and to support the liars and to approve them. The church because loves this person who is saying this will tell him, no, you're wrong. You need to repent first. And we tell you, you are wrong because we love you, not because we hate you. He will tell you, who are you to judge me, to tell me that I am right or wrong? Who are you? Yeah, I know I'm nothing. But it is not me who is telling you you're wrong or right. It's the word of God. It's the scripture. I'm telling you according to the scripture, you're wrong. It's not my own personal judgment. It is the word of God that's revealed to us. If a person who is abusive to his wife and came to us telling us that is the normal way, that's how we should live with our wives, we, we must beat them, we must humiliate them, we must put them down. This is the normal marriage life. Can we support this? Can we say, who are you to tell him that you are right or you are, you're wrong? Who are you to tell him you're wrong? <laughs> We must tell him, you're wrong. Again, it's not my judgment. It is the word of God. 
that says you're wrong. In the same way when somebody comes and say homosexuality is a different lifestyle. Transgenderism is a free choice. You have a choice to, cho to decide your gender. You are a male or female or undisclosed or unspecified. It's your choice to keep your baby or not. If I want to kill my baby, nobody can stop me. I'm speaking about abortion. And then we say, no, no, no. Nothing wrong with this. That's your choice. Go ahead. If you want to kill your baby, go ahead. Congratulations. This is not love. By any means, it is not love. The true love is corrective. The true acceptance is to accept one another for the glory of God. So, if I accept and I approve homosexuals, is this glorifying God? No, it is not. Because God, in Romans chapter 1, said he is angry against the uncleanness of people. If I support ab abortion, is this for the glory of God? No, it is sin of murder. If I support transgenderism, is it for the glory of God? No, it is against God's plan and economy for each one of us. To accept one another, it should be for the glory of God. Receive one another just as also Christ received us to the glory of God. In the church of Corinth, a man committed sexual immorality with his father's wife. And the church in Corinth accepted him, did not correct him, accepted the situation as normal. St. Paul blamed them for accepting this sin as normal and told them in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 2, and you are puffed up and have not rather mourned that he who has done this deed might be taken away from among you he told them, how are you supporting him? This is pride. This is arrogance. You are puffed up. And instead, you should be mourning. You should be grieving for this soul that will lose the eternal salvation. And he told them, you as Christian, that's the teaching of Christianity. You as Christian, this man should be taken away from among you. Then St. Paul said, for I indeed as absent in body but present in the spirit have already judged as though I were present. Him who has so done this deed in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. When you are gathered together along with my spirit, with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ, deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of the flesh. Means the grace of God will be removed from his body. No protection over his body. He may get ill. He may get disease. Why? That his spirit may be saved in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
So he told them, I will discipline this person. I will discipline this person in order that his soul be saved in the second coming. They were actually proud that they are supporting this man. And they showed him, according to their understanding, the unconditional love. They said, you know, we love him unconditionally. We accepted him after he committed such action, maybe for them it was a normal action, to commit adultery with his father's uh, wife. Then St. Paul told them, your glorying is not good. Your boasting that you love this person unconditionally, this is not the unconditional love. Unconditional love is a corrective love. Your glorying is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Therefore, purge out the old leaven that you may be a new lump since you truly are unleavened. For indeed, Christ, our Passover, was sacrificed for us. What do you mean, purge out the old living? What do you mean, St. Paul? Is it Christian that we exclude somebody? Is it Christian that we don't communicate with somebody? Is this Christian or not Christian? Let's read verse 9. I wrote to you in my epistle not to keep company with sexually immoral people. But St. Paul differentiated between the believers and the non-believers. He said, yet I certainly did not mean with the sexually immoral people of this world, those who are outside the flock of Christ or with the covetous or extortioners or idolaters, since then you would need to go out of the world. If he said, don't keep company with any sexual immoral person or covetous, etc., the only way to do it is the person dies, leave the world. It was very clear in verse 11. But now I have written to you not to keep company with anyone named a brother. Named a brother means a believer. A believer who is sexually immoral or covetous or an idolater or a reviler or a drunkard or extortioner. Not even to eat with such a person. Not even to eat with such a person. St. Paul, are you Christian? How you are a Christian and say don't eat with these people? Where is the unconditional love? Yes, that is a Christianity. Not the Christianity that they are speaking about. This is a Christianity that the Bible teaches. Why you are doing this? You know when the church actually excluded this person, what happened to him? He repented. He did not repent when they showed him what they called the unconditional love. He did not repent. When they supported his sin and his sinful life, he did not repent. But when they took an action and even did not greet him or eat with him, he repented. And once he repented, St. Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 7, after he heard the, the news from Titus that he repented, he said, you ought rather to forgive and comfort him. The purpose of the discipline this exclusion is to repent. 
Once he repent, he told him, you ought to forgive and, and comfort him. Lest perhaps such a one be swallowed up with too much sorrow. Therefore, I urge you to reaffirm your love to him. Reaffirm your love to him. So I want to ask you a question. Which stands considered unconditional love? When they supported him in his sinful life while he was committing sexual immorality with his father's wife, and this support led to his non-repentance, or when they took a stand against him, and once this person felt excluded from the church of God, he repented and returned back to God. Then they reaffirmed their love to him and they forgave him. You judge which one is considered the true love, to save his soul or to let his soul perish in the last day. The church was very, very careful with false teaching. I'm sure you know the apostle of love is Saint John. Let us read Second John, verse 10 and verse 11. He said, if anyone comes to you and does not bring this doctrine, the teaching of the scripture, do not receive him into your house, nor greet him. For he who greets him shares in his evil deeds. Some people say Christianity doesn't teach this. Christianity doesn't teach don't greet somebody. No, Christianity teaches this. That is 2 John, verse 10 and 11. Anyone comes to you and does not bring this doctrine, does not preach the truth of the scripture, do not receive him into your house, nor greet him. For he who greets him shares in his evil deeds. Who is saying this? Saint John, who said love one another the apostle of love. Not only John, but the Lord Jesus Christ himself, who is love, God is love. In the Sermon on the Mountain, the Lord said, Chapter 7, Matthew 7, verse 15. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. So here the Lord is teaching us and make us to make judgment and discernment. If somebody is teaching different doctrine than what the scripture is teaching, he told us, beware of them. Beware of them. What does it mean, beware of them? St. Paul explained in uh, Galatians chapter 1. And he said in verse 8, But even if we or an angel from heaven even angel from heaven, preach any other gospel to you than what you have preached to you, but what we have preached to you, 
let him be accursed. And usually when he wants to emphasize something, he repeated. So he repeated again in verse 9. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what you have received, let him be accursed. And St. Paul said, you know what? Do I now persuade men, verse 10, or God? Or I seek to please men? For if I still please men, I would not be a bond servant of Christ. Yes. What St. Paul said, what St. John said, what the Lord Jesus Christ said, offended people. And what I'm saying right now will offend the people. I'm sure it will offend some people. But this is the, the truth of the scripture. And St. Paul said, what should I do? Do I now persuade men or God? Do I seek to please men? No. If I still pleased men, I would not be a bond servant of Christ. The church took a firm stand with any person who preached false doctrine. Any person. Whether he is a lay person or a priest or a bishop or a patriarch. Nestorius was a patriarch of Constantinople. Arius was a priest. So these people, Macedonius, Nestorius, Arius, Sabellius, all these people were excommunicated. Why? Why? Yet they were bad people. Why? Because they preached false doctrine. They preached Christianity different than what's revealed in the scripture. They replaced the truth of God for a lie. That's why they, they were excommunicated. So the church did not try to please this clergy because they start to preach false doctrine. They start to preach a different gospel. There is no different gospel than the one we have here in the scripture. They start to preach Christianity that's false and not true. Christianity that pleases people on the expense of the truth of God. They compromise the truth of God for a lie. When the Lord actually was titled as a lover of tax collector and sinners, because he led them to repentance. He corrected them. And he said, the whole do not need a physician, but a sick. So why the sick needs a physician? So the physician will treat them, not to tell them, I support your illness. So friend, of the tax collectors and the sinners, as a physician treating the sick, not as a supporter of their illness. The man who was sick for 38 years, after the Lord healed him, he gave him an instruction, sin no more, lest you suffer worse things. So when we say Jesus is a friend of the tax collectors and the sinners, yes. As a physician treating these sick people. But those who perceived themselves whole, righteous, 
he couldn't help them because they were righteous in their own eyes. He loved them and he wanted to help them, but they rejected him. All of us are sinners. All of us. But there is difference between a sinner who's struggling in the way of repentance and a sinner who insists on his sin. The Pharisees, the scribes, the religious leaders of Israel, the tax collectors, the adulterers, the thieves, all of them are sinners, all of them. But what is the difference between the adulterers and the tax collectors, one group, and the Pharisees and the scribes? These people admitted their sinfulness and lived the life of repentance. But the other group, the scribe and Pharisees, they did not admit their sinfulness. Again, these are not my analysis. It is what the Lord said in John chapter 9. In verse 41, the Lord said to the Pharisees, they asked him in verse 40, are we blind at all also? He told them, if you were blind, you would have no sin. If you admit that you are blind, then you would seek treatment and you would not have sin. But now you say we see. We are right. We know what Christianity is. Therefore, your sin remains. So I want to explain the scribes and Pharisees were condemned, not because they were defending the truth, but because they were righteous in their own eyes. That's why they were condemned. In Luke chapter 16, when the Lord spoke about the unjust steward, He said, now the Pharisees who were lovers of money. So, they were not actually aware of their sins. They were lovers of money. They arrogant, hypocrites. That's why the Lord told them, you are those who justify yourselves before men. But God knows your heart. You are justify yourselves by saying the law teaches so and so. In their arrogance and in their pride, they start to say, we know what the law is teaching. But God knows your hearts. For what is highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of God. The Lord actually said that the law, even one title from the law, will not fall down. So their sins, they were not aware of their blindness. The Lord several times tried to tell them, you're wrong, you're blind. They rejected. In their arrogance, they believed they are right. They know it all. Christ doesn't know it. That is the sin of the scribes and Pharisees. The last thing I want to mention is the Biblical obedience and submission. The biblical obedience and submission is submission and obedience in the Lord. 
to our parents, to our clergy, to our Sunday school servants, to anybody. Obey in the Lord. Because it is ought to obey God more than men. Yes, we ought to obey God more than men. If men says homosexuality is normal lifestyle and God says homosexuality is sinful, then we ought to obey God more than men. If God says abortion is murder and men says abortion is a choice, we ought to obey God more than men. If God says transgenderism is not the economy of him toward us, but people say, no, it's a normal, no, we ought to obey God than men. If any person, even an angel from heaven, If an angel from heaven taught you something different than what is written in the scripture, don't obey him. Whether he's an angel or a bishop or a priest or a Sunday school servant or a lay person, don't obey them. Obedience in the Lord. And thank God we have the scripture. And the scripture is the word of God. And we need actually to have the discernment. We have, we should have discernment to obey God more than men. So the purpose of this lecture actually is to tell you Christianity as it is in the scripture. And every single word, I said it in this lecture, I supported by more than one verse from the scripture. So this is not my own teaching. It's what's written in the word of God, which is truth, which is life and spirit. If anybody preached you a different gospel than what is written in the scripture, then it is a false teaching. And even if an angel from heaven descended and preached you a different gospel, don't listen to him. Don't obey him. Don't greet him. Don't receive him in your house, as St. John said. Otherwise, you are participating in his evil deeds. That's what the scripture says. May the Lord actually enlighten our mind and guide us in the way of the truth. Because the truth will set us free. Glory be to God forever and ever. Amen.